Welcome to Women Winning It Writing Podcast Show. I am your host, Chelsea McCoy, and this is the show where we talk about all things writing and all things editing from a woman's perspective. This show is brought to you by Your Writing Table, where we help you tell your story your way in your words. This show has been developed to discuss the behind the scenes of the book writing journey and the writer's experience. We talk about a range of things from what inspired you to write your book, what your writing process was like, maybe you experienced writer's block and we also talk about editing because of course that is part of the book writing journey our goal is to provide inspiration motivation encouragement and to break down the myth that writing a book is impossible if this is your first time joining us again my name is chelsea and i am a published author editor and the owner of your writing table which provides full service book writing consulting editing and publishing services i've been writing and editing for over 20 years and yes i literally Literally eat, sleep, and breathe writing and editing. For all our returning listeners, thank you again for being a part of our podcast family. We appreciate you and we thank you so much for all the support, the questions you send in for topic suggestions, and all the positive feedback. Last but not least, thank you to all of our partners who support us financially and help us to continue creating quality content while providing a platform for women writers to share their writing journey, promote their books, brands, and their businesses. If you would like to become a partner, please click on the link at the end of the episode notes for more information and one more thing don't forget to follow us you guys please follow us on spotify iHeartRadio, apple podcast and whichever preferred platform you listen to your podcast on all you have to do is click the follow button or subscribe notify so you don't miss out on any of the episodes as they drop thank you we appreciate y'all and now let's get into today's episode. Hello, hello listeners. Welcome, welcome to another amazing episode of Women Winning at Writing. And we have another uh, unbelievable one, female women writer. She is winning and just killing it in the game, you guys. And so, um, y'all, you know, I love exploring different writing styles, different writing genres. And of course, talking to these phenomenal writers about how they got inspired to write their books and, you know, what their journey was like and all of those things. And so today's guest is, of course, no different. She is not only an author, but she's also a wife. She's a mom. She's the co-founder of the Hive Talent Acquisition Firm. And y'all guess what? She's from my hometown. She's a West Coast chick. She is from LA, but now she's currently just like me down here in the good old south well she's a little further east out in the ATL I'm over here in Houston but I think it's just crazy that we both were from the west coast moved to the south and now we're trying to do this whole southern thing right while reminding ourselves of how good the food is in LA and it's, it can't be matched. I'm just saying. Southern food is good, too. Don't get me wrong. But there's something about the West Coast. And I don't know. I'm going to ask her. I'm going to let her tell it if she's ever tapped into that pastrami heaven. And y'all know, I'm going to talk about pastrami burgers. Like, because that's, I think, I don't know. I just, I absolutely love them. So, <laughs> without further ado, because we're going to get back to the writing. I promise. I promise. I just digress for just a minute. But without further ado, y'all, please help me welcome Dana Niger to the show. Hello, Dana. Hello, Chelsea. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, ma'am. Good morning. Well, look, yeah, it is morning at the time that we're doing this recording. So, yes, good morning. Good morning. And 
we're just going to dive right in. So please tell us about yourself and your book. Absolutely. So I'm Dana Niger. I'm a 43-year-old, like you said, mom, wife, business owner. Uh, I co-founded High Talent Acquisition Firm here in Greater Metro Atlanta, which is an HR and recruiting consulting firm. Um, that has been my entire career for the last 20 years. Um, what else can I tell you? The unusual transition, if you will, <laughs> that we both made from Southern California to the South was not a decision of my own. Um, I've been here more than half my life now in Greater Metro Atlanta, but I transitioned here when I was a teenager and finished high school here. And it was a complete culture shock from the perspective of West Los Angeles to a small rural Northeast Georgia town called Gainesville, Georgia. Shameless plug for Gainesville. So um, what else can I tell you? I'm a recent, not recent. That's not true at all. That was a big lie. Um, I'm a graduate of Agnes Scott College, the private women's college in Decatur, Georgia, in greater metro Atlanta. Very proud of that. Go Scotties. I do have a recently published book this year in January 2023. My first book came out entitled Before I Knew It, They Were Gone. It's a Jewish first generation American woman's journey through the darkness. And it is my memoir, which is crazy to say at 43. (laughs) I know. I know. It's funny you say that because I had a young lady the other day that I was talking to. She's like, I want to write a memoir. She's like, but I'm not even 35 yet. I said, it's okay. You, a memoir can be just a section, a little portion of your life. Doesn't have to be a biography. <laughs> I'm so glad you shared that with her because that's a thing that I think a lot of people, let alone women, we sort of have this weird imposter syndrome about, well, shouldn't I be writing a memoir with more life? Well, have you experienced a lot of life in your short 35, 43, however many years, right? right. These are judgments that we just don't need. <laughs> yeah, and that's so true. It is. So yeah, you know, just really quick, um, you know, making the transition from, first of all, from one region of the country to the other region, it is. It's a definite shock. Um, just as we have people that move, you know, that um, come in from the out, you know, different country, you know, that's it's also a shock, um, you know, but that's, I think that's a memoir in itself <laughs> when you just transition, you know, you, you've been in, you know, because people ask me, I've been in, I think I can say I've been in Houston and Texas, probably it's about half and half. Um, I've been in Houston for over 20 years. No, excuse me. 20 years exactly next year. And so, um, yeah, it's been a very interesting experience it was slight culture shock for me but not as bad um I did visit Texas you know with my family when I was smaller so I did get a taste of it you know but of course visiting on summer vacations or someone's birthday or family function is not the same as living it's totally different that's 100% true. I agree with you. And I would also say that I don't think a California girl ever gets a California girl out of her soul. You know what I mean? Like, I go back all the time. I mean, pandemic, this was pre-pandemic and now just starting to travel again with post-pandemic. But we were there. My family was there. I was there in my single years at least twice a year, right? Oh, Guaranteed. Yeah. And it was just like flowing back into your old life. Because when you're from a place, the sights, the sounds, the smells, the food, all those memories, it all comes rushing back. And you basically get immersed right back into what you knew and loved. You do. You definitely do. So when you made this transition, and of course, you discussed that in the book. So what inspired you to, to tell your story? At least, you know, this portion of it. 
The portion of this particular part of my life that I'm talking about, I mean, I, I was inspired by the fact that, to be perfectly frank, and I, I hate to toot my own horn here, but I've been through a lot of therapy. There are a lot of things going on in that book. And yes, I may only have 43 years of this life, but I unfortunately or fortunately have experienced a lot of life experience. Mm -hmm. And I talk about it in the book. And the reason why I wrote the book was actually completely accidental. It was never supposed to be a book. What ended up happening was I'd reached a point in therapy and personal therapy mm -hmm. um, that I was particularly proud of and decided that a manuscript around what I have achieved and accomplished was necessary for me. And I ended up working with a ghostwriter and the ghostwriter and I probably wrote the book in about six months, which I feel is a pretty decent, uh, quickish kind of time to get that done. Yeah. And I think part of that was because I was working with her. Had I been doing it all by myself, like a lot of writers do, I'm not sure it would have been that short a period of time. But regardless, um, I felt like it, the manuscript was it. And when we completed it, I was done. The um, wonderful ghostwriter I was working with, shameless plug for Phyllis Amarell, because we are <laughs> sisters now. <laughs> yes, love her. Um, she was like, hey, do you mind if I just show this to a publisher friend of mine for some advice, you know, just professional advice, no big deal. And I granted that permission. Well, one publisher friend showed it to another who showed it to another. And before I knew it, I had three publishing houses coming to me saying, we need to publish this book. And I went, wait, what? No yeah. way. Went, who? You're talking about my book? It's not a book. It's not a book. Like, I don't understand. Right. You know? That's and, awesome. Uh, and, you know, I think, you know, it, I love to hear the, these types of stories. We've talked to a couple ladies on the show who have had these amazing traditional publishers come at, you know, approach them and say, we want your book. You know, they didn't have to pitch it. They didn't have to do the query letters, you know, and all of those things. So um, big, big congratulations to you for that. So what was your experience like working with the traditional publisher? Yeah, I actually ended up going with Book Logics on a hybrid route. So it was it was semi-traditional, but regardless, it was a fabulous, in my opinion, um, experience. And the reason behind that I will share with your audience is I didn't know what I didn't know. So I trusted the experts. And of course, when things didn't seem logical or I had questions, I asked my questions. But in general, I think I was very blessed and lucky to be working with the Book Logics team. They have a system that is finely tuned. Their people really listen and understand. The graphic designer, for example, sent me like four questions, right? In an email, didn't even pick up the phone and call me. And so I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be interesting, right? Me and my little attitude problem. <laughs> and he says, hey, here are these questions. Please answer them as detailed as possible. And then I'll put some mock-ups together for you and we can kind of go from there. So I answered them as detailed as I could. And I thought, I can't wait to see how this comes out. Well, sure enough, he sent literally four versions of what my cover could look like. And one of them was exactly what I had envisioned. No way. And I was like, you're my new best friend. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> Trust the process is what I can say. Like, we all have our things that we really want, need, and, you know, out of the process and, and things we need to see and get from it and et cetera. But the less controlling you honestly are in the process, the fact that you allow the subject matter experts to do what they do uh -huh. will probably get you better results. Yeah, yeah. And that makes sense. And like you said, you don't know what you don't know. And yeah. working with what those who do know, you know, you're, you're allowing them to do what they do best. And yeah, it works. 
It absolutely mm-hmm. hurts. And so how was your experience with the ghostwriter? How did Yeah, that, that was awesome. It was awesome. So that was perfect timing. I would say in 2022, no, 2021, 2021, we met uh, or beginning of the year-ish or so, something like that, with a, um, a, we were both meeting in the same female, all-female networking group. And I met Phyllis and was like, hey, I have this idea. I'm so glad we met today. Like, is this something that you would be interested in? And she was like, yeah, this is right up my alley. So we started getting to know each other. And one thing led to another. And I was feeling very comfortable with the thought of asking her for a proposal. She sent her proposal. My husband and I discussed it. We were super excited about this. And it was just like I said, it all kind of led up to working together, right? It was very serendipitous. And she and I kicked butt. And six months later, we had that manuscript. And then... Heading into 2022, we spent that year collaborating with the publisher (laughs) and choosing the publisher and and, and all of that wonderful stuff. And it was great. Yeah. So now when you all were meeting, you and the ghostwriter, how did Uh that process work? Like, did you just give her your ideas? Hey, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about that. And then she just took it from there and created the actual content. It was incredibly collaborative. So the cool thing about working with Phyllis um, is she's very open to your ideas and she's very kind and polite. So if there's something that she's not comfortable saying to you, she will simply rewrite it in several ways and give you options, right? Which is more work for her. But instead of saying, I don't think you should do it this way, she just decides that she's going to give you all these different options. And so one of the cool things was she was writing ahead, basically. I, I feel like we spent a lot of time getting to know each other and what little I knew of my own writing style, if you even want to call it that, because I certainly wasn't published. And I write and I edit and I do things like that, but like just for work and for school, you know, it's not my profession like you, right? Mm-hmm. So from that perspective, I trusted her. Again, the subject matter expert. And she felt that I had a decent writing style. She made, and I, I expressed to her that I can be very flowy, very California, very French, right? Very uh, romantic, right? And these are all the things about me that are 100% true. I'm a French California girl. And, you know, it's one of those things. Um, she just picked up on it and she she really embraced it. And I trusted her. And we worked very well together virtually. We actually have not even still to this day physically met each other yet. She uh, was out of New York. I think she's relocated to Ecuador at this point. I mean, like, talk about amazing woman. Just decided she needed a change of scenery and up and moved to Ecuador and now has this fantastic life there while she's doing all this virtually. So we would get on Zoom or Teams or Skype and we would send document sharing back and forth and all the collaborating and the notes. I mean, while it can get a little ridiculous technology-wise, she was incredibly organized and that is a huge part of keeping yourself organized is working with someone who's more organized than you right you shouldn't be the smartest person in the room kind of thing also plays into this (laughs) and and you know and I'm so glad to hear that you had a positive experience with your ghostwriter um I know that we talk about it on the show quite a bit that you know when um you're thinking of writing a book and you decide to go the ghostwriting route just as you do with an editor or a publisher, whatever, do your research guys, 
do your research, you know, um, make sure that you talk with the ghostwriter before you sign any agreements, you know, or documents to make sure that you, both of you are in agreement with what you want and what they're expecting, the services they'll provide and da, 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 da. Um, I'm, I'm absolutely so excited for you. Um, you know, working with the ghostwriter, working with an editor, a publisher, you know, these are such personal things, you know, you guys are, and I say this about myself too, because I am all of those things. I am an editor and a ghostwriter and a publisher. You all are allowing us into your personal space, like your hairdresser, you know, your dentist, your, when you go get your nails done, you know, this is someone in your personal space. And so it's super, super important. Like you said, you guys gelled and you, you, you know, um, developed a rapport with each other. And that's like super critical when you're writing a book. I agree with you. Well said. Yeah. And um, so now going back to your writing experience with this, how was that? So you make this transition from the West Coast to the South. Yeah. You have not only geographical transitions, but now you've also got just the culture because, of course, the West Coast is totally different from the South. And you also had religious differences as well. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So that was interesting and all different kinds of new challenges produce themselves. So being Jewish in Southern California is not nearly as wide open as being Jewish and the only Jew in my high school, for example, and one of three Jewish families at the time in Gainesville, you know, it was very challenging, but not in the way that one would think. I have to give credit to the high school at the time was named Johnson High School in Gainesville, Georgia. The administration, the staff, super welcoming of me and my family and my friends that I made there, luckily enough, um, right ahead of starting my freshman year, I was in band. I played tenor saxophone and uh, my dad got me up one day and was like, get up lazy, we're going to the school, you know, and I'm like, why? I don't want to go to school here. This place sucks. (laughs) You know, just being a very angsty, typical teenager (laughs) at 14 years old and he grabs my sax and we get dressed and we go to the high school and it's like the last couple of days of band camp and I get introduced to the high school band director who changed my life. I mean, this man was so kind, so welcoming, shameless plug for (laughs) old Doc Jones, gotta love him. And you know, that's how I made my first friends was you go to band, they're like, who's the new girl? Oh, I hear she's from California. She plays sax. My my leader, uh, my section leader was a senior named Casey who became one of my best friends. And like, you know, they, you just get immersed in the in the culture of band, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so then what started happening with the religious aspects was school started and people heard I was Jewish and they liked me. So they wanted to save me. Right. Mm-hmm. And I talk about it in the book from the perspective of being the Jewish person in, in, in the particular opportunity. They meant well, right? And while it wasn't ideal, I'll say, to have, you know, pamphlets of other religions shoved in your locker and left on your desk in classes and stuff like that, it also wasn't, like, terrible harassment. There are children these days in greater metro Atlanta that are suffering anti-Semitism, you know, significantly. I didn't suffer any of this, and this was back in 1994 through 1998. So what I will say is, If you are educated enough in your own religion or your background or whatever it is that we're talking about, you can have these very key conversations with these people and they will listen. And that's exactly what happened. So there was one point where I think 
the Billy Graham Brigade was coming to the Gwinnett Center, right? Mm -hmm. And so this was a big drive-in from Gainesville to Gwinnett to a big arena because we didn't have anything like that in our teeny tiny rural town at the time. And my friends were like, you got to come. You got to come. You got to get saved. We want to save you because we love you. We don't want you to go to hell. And at one point I was like, you know, it's all good. Jews don't believe in hell. So we're good. And they were like, huh. And that was really interesting to them, right? But so they really wanted me to go. So my mother was beside herself. No, you can't go. This is absurd. And my father was like, we should probably let her make her own decision on this. And I actually thought it was a great idea to go. I want to go. I want to observe. I'm not going to get saved, obviously. Like I'm, you know, mature and responsible enough in my own beliefs and religion that I don't need to get involved in all of that. But I wanted to see. I wanted to be there with my friends. And I want to show them that it's okay to observe these things without giving into your own you know, discretions, right? right? So we go and my friends are noticing that other friends of theirs or people or acquaintances around who were having sex and were doing drugs and smoking and all the bad things, right? We're going up and getting resaved, right? And they were like, that doesn't seem right. And I was like, so you see my friends, it's okay to have all of these different things going on. And it really was a breaking point and the pamphleting stopped and I was accepted wholeheartedly. And again, part of that had to do with having made friends a little bit earlier, the fact that I played two sports, that I was in multiple bands, didn't hurt at all. But, you know, I also didn't have any one click. And I think that's probably one of the things that people would remember about me back then is I was friends with everybody, right? And there was a lot of segregation. I'm not going to sugarcoat any of that, but I was friends with all different kinds of people. And that was unique at that time in this particular part of the country. Wow. So I'm so glad that you had a positive experience. Not that it wasn't challenging, of course, you know, it had its yes. But overall, you made friends and you were able to, you know, get in there and, you know, adjust. And so that's yep. a good thing. Because, um, of course, we hear about people, you know, young people, especially that make those types of transition. And it's not always the best. You know, they're, they don't right. make friends or they're ostracized or, you know, whatever it is that they experience. And so that's really wonderful that you had a positive experience. So while you were writing the book, was it like therapy for you or did it help you heal in, you know, in any areas? That is exactly what was going on. And I'm glad you worded it that way because it literally was free therapy, right? It was cathartic. I cried. I don't want to give anything away, but there are three or four chapters in a row that are solely about death and loss and that healing journey starting and getting to the point of, oh my goodness, kind of feelings and, and emotions. And they became very challenging after a point to keep reading and editing over and over, which is one of the reasons I was truly grateful for having the ghostwriter uh, on board with yeah, the, the dream yeah. team. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. <laughs> Definitely. And one last question before we wrap up. How did you come up with the title for the book? Because it's so catchy. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, funny enough, the title was actually originally and just like that, they were gone. But for obvious reasons, <laughs> with the Sex in the City, shameless plug there for Sex in the City show coming out with the same title, uh, my publisher, of course, immediately suggested that we revamp. <laughs> so <Right. laughs> they said, think about it, right? And they really left that to me. And my husband and I sat there and said, what's the same thing as, and just like that. And we came up with before I knew it. And so, boom, before I knew it was the thing. <laughs> hey, that's perfect. And you still got your same 
you know, the gist of what you were trying to say. So that's absolutely perfect. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Dana, for being our guest on today's show. How can listeners connect with you and how can they get a copy of your book? Yeah, thank you so much for asking. So I am available on Amazon, but I am a huge supporter of local small businesses. So local to the greater Metro Atlanta area, uh, my book can be found at Target, at Barnes & Noble, at Sheriff Bookstore in Decatur, Georgia, and Read It Again Books in the Swanee Johns Creek area. Um, Also, like I said, on Amazon. And please, when you receive your book, go back in and leave a review. It's okay if you didn't like it please just leave a review. That would be really incredibly helpful. Um, You can also find the book on any of those awesomebook.org type sites, the book sales, book shop, all the good ones there as well. And I really appreciate that. Um, You can also find me for speaking engagements regarding the book, regarding Judaism, regarding DEI, regarding HR on DanaNiger.com, D-A-N-A-N-E-I-G-E-R.com. And hi, talent acquisition firm's website as well if you need anything for HR consulting or talent consulting. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Dane, and I will be sure to include all of those um, links and information in the episode notes so listeners can easily reach out and get the books or connect with you. So thank you again for being our guest on today's show. We have truly, truly appreciated it and just enjoyed your story. And just thank you so much. Chelsea, thank you for having me. Thank you. And listeners, as always, keep winning at writing. Until next time, everyone be blessed. Bye for now.